broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, happy Tuesday, everybody. Is it only Tuesday? Is that it? Tuesday it is here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I think a critical day. And whether Urban Meyer could be the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars or not. Uh, some people disagree with me. Been working the phones quite a bit today and yesterday and all last week. And uh, we will see. We are on the uh, <laughs> wait and see list right now when it comes to Urban Meyer. Meanwhile, some other dominoes starting to fall a little bit and maybe getting closer to falling in the head coaching ranks. So we are going to talk more about Urban Meyer. Talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. I don't feel like a mentioned Trevor Lawrence's name much in the last uh, couple of shows, but uh, what could it look like, would it look like with Urban Meyer or even other coaches coming in with Trevor Lawrence, how will they handle him um, and, uh, and and what kind of offense could they potentially run and his development, because that's a big part of what takes place next in Jacksonville. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane here on a Tuesday. What's happening, man? So, saw you doing some skateboarding tricks again. Yeah, man, did a couple skateboarding tricks. That's what we call a pop shove it. So I posted that on Twitter. Uh, landed my first one in about 15 years. My first day I really tried to do it. And you know how I operate, man. Like, I tried it once. I'm like, oh, that was pretty close. So let's try it again. And then, like, 100 tries later, and it's an hour into the session, I'm like, all right, I better hurry up and land this so I can go inside and do some other stuff. So um, thankfully I landed one, and I, I'm happy about it. And now uh, it's on to the next phase until I get hurt again. So can't wait. I was going to say, I mean, you're pushing your luck a little bit now. Oh, always, man. Uh, when is the next for you, fight for you? What, what, so, what yeah, are we're, we're hoping at February, but with COVID and everything, um, some of the regional scenes kind of took a hit. So we're still hoping February, uh, but it's up in the air right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so still working hard at that. Still working. Oh, yeah, every single day. Um, good stuff. Uh, we will uh, we'll keep everybody posted on that. We get that question from time to time. Sure. Let's fight. Yeah. I'm sure you get it a lot more than I get it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just the ice man. Yeah. The I, I, there you go. In the In the corner of the what? A cage. My man. He's yeah. learning. Yes. The cage. He's learning. Alabama National Championship, uh, to no surprise. Uh, they are a machine, man. Are they the closest thing to, like, a machine that you've seen in football? Uh, you know, I, they hadn't won for a few years. You, you need some unbelievable teams, Clemson and uh, Ohio State in the past, but most recently LSU last year. So you have to be like this mega team to be able to kind of unseat Alabama. Mm-hmm. But obviously it's it's seven for Nick Saban. Uh, it's, what, 13 for, for Alabama. Uh, it's every few years. You can't win every year. Very hard thing to do in football. But the way they just dismantled everybody this year, it was machine-like. Like people knew what they were doing, I'm assuming, on tape. But they always had something else. They had the better players. They had the better coaching. Steve Sarkeesian looked like a genius doing it. Mac Jones was unbelievable. Uh, Devontae Smith, incredible. Najee Harris, probably underrated mm-hmm. in all of that somehow. I, I, I just don't know. I know LSU looked really good doing it last year. I get that. And they kind of blitzed people. But maybe it's because it's Alabama and you know they exist. And to do basically what LSU did last year, a year later, was like, hey, hold my beer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it kind of is. But like the thing that makes Alabama such a juggernaut is the fact of their consistency, right? Like, yeah, I understand you're always a top five recruiting, uh, you know, class type of team every single year, and that means something. 
But they do such a great job with their coaching staff. And let's keep in mind, their coaching staff is a carousel. But Nick Saban spearheads the entire thing, and he does a great job, and it trickles down to developing talent. Um, yeah, if you get the five-star guys in there, you can plug and play them right away, that's fine. But then you get guys like Mac Jones who have kind of bought their time a little bit, and, and they've come along slowly, and now it's paying dividends. So that, to me, is what sets Alabama apart from any other program, maybe even a Clemson, and obviously an LSU, is that year in, year out, uh, they, they just reload. And when they can't reload a position, then they develop that position, they teach that position, and they get the most out of the guy who's been in that system for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, just how impressive was it to you? <laughs> I mean, to watch. I mean, it was, they, it know, was ridiculous. <laughs> they're fun to watch, though, aren't they? They're yeah. fun to watch. Kuz, did you take the over-under? <laughs> it was close. I didn't, I didn't take any. I didn't take anything. I got I you. Failed. Yeah, um, I mean, what do you want me to say, man? Devontae Smith is a cheat code. Like, the, I, 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 I don't know. Like, you've seen fast receivers, right? And then you've seen quick receivers. But every time that dude had the ball, like, and I've said it before, he's, he's a threat to take it. I mean, he's the closest thing to Tyree Kill that I've seen at the college level. Now, whether that's going to translate to the pros, because obviously when we talk about, you know, Devontae Smith, I mean, he is a little undersized per se. What does that mean? I don't know. I feel like if you have the speed, you have the agility, you have the route running, um, you can get away with that. But I'm just saying that was definitely the most dominant college football player of the year, and he put on a Heisman showcase, if you will, and it was much deserved that he won that. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later. And I think, uh, you know, he is so good, and it, it was such a storm of him being good in the last few weeks that – I almost feel like Mac Jones got overlooked. <laughs> yeah. Like Mac Jones had 460 something yards and five touchdowns in a national title game. Mm-hmm. You know, I get the idea that Mac Jones is playing with really good players, but that should not be oh well, he's playing with good players anybody could do it. I mean, the work that he put in, how good he played, he never really had a bad game. He lost the fumble, but I mean, he was spot on, man. Decision making, his throws, the accuracy, all that stuff. Uh, so I, uh, I, I just don't think we can overlook that part of it. Of course, I don't want to overlook that part of it. He's from Jacksonville. We should celebrate that. He's a Bulls kid from Jacksonville, born and bred, and he won a national title. He's one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best players in the country all year long. That's a phenomenal story, and it will go down in the history of, of this city. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, listen, you, you can't say enough about Mac Jones either. And the fact is, I mean, his career might just be starting. You know, we'll see what happens at the next level. One would assume that he should more than likely be a first-round draft pick, depending on, you know, where he falls and what teams are interested. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great story in itself. Obviously, Justin Fields was kind of the quarterback story, it seemed like. But Mac Jones was the guy that truly shined, I felt like, in that game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, so what's your feeling today on the Urban Meyer front? I don't know, man. It's... It's like Groundhog Day. Like, I, I don't know who put out the report, but, like, it was breaking news. Urban Meyer thinking about it. Like, well, yeah, no kidding. I don't know how to feel about the situation right now because I can make arguments for both sides. And when I say that, I can say, well, Urban Meyer, he wants to do this, but then why is he taking so long? Right? Like, if you truly – like, what, what are you on the fence about? Like, if you truly want to come back and coach, then you should have known by now. And I don't think it's a fact that he's trying to get his ducks in a row in terms of the coaching. Like – you can get announced as a head coach and figure out the staff later, right? But, like, the whole thing is it's the optics. It's saying we're the Jacksonville Jaguars and we got our coach. So it is still a little bit of um, unsettling, I guess I could say, that we haven't heard anything from Urban Meyer. All we know right now is that he's thinking it over. 
And then the other side could be, well, maybe now with the whole Doug Peterson stuff coming out, maybe that's another domino that has to fall into place first and all this stuff, and maybe it's still a good sign that Urban Meyer hasn't said that he doesn't want to do it. So I'm kind of on the fence about it, but I just feel like if you truly have your heart set on coming to the NFL and coaching, then why haven't you said anything yet? Well, and maybe does he truly have his heart set on it, right? I mean, maybe that's what he's trying to work through. Uh, I will say this. There's two things, Austin, you can agree or disagree. But one, I believe if you want Urban Meyer to be the next head coach, and I believe that has become more toward that end. I know not everybody does, and that's fair enough. But I think, again, I I said last week I did this poll last weekend when things started to go with Urban, and it was like 55-45. And this is just my poll, you know, question. So it's not like everybody. But uh, it was 55-45. By the time I did it again, like on Friday, it was 75-25 or somewhere close to that. So you can see how things have shifted. And so now I really feel like there's almost this momentum, like, hey, I want Urban Meyer to be here. I want Urban Meyer to be here because I kind of like the idea of it after people have talked about it for a week on end and, and more. And so I think for those folks, I think it's good news that we haven't heard from Urban Meyer because I don't understand if your heart is not set on it, why that hasn't come out yet, that hasn't leaked out yet. Uh, he hasn't told somebody that uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, now into Tuesday. I think if we don't know that uh, by that time, um, then or by later today, then I think I think he's in. Um, I, I, I still believe he's in right now until he says no, and so I'm going to kind of give him the deadline of later today. And so I think that's an important time frame. The other part of this, Austin, is none of us seem to question the Jags' interest, <laughs> right? I mean, we wonder about Urban's interest, but the Jags seemingly are all in on Urban. Do you get that feel too, or are we missing something there? Oh, no. I mean, if he's having meetings on the Kismet in Miami, um, one could assume that, yeah, the Jaguars are, are all in on Urban Meyer. I mean, you know, he didn't get the Arthur Smith treatment of probably a 10-minute Zoom conversation after a playoff game. Like, Urban Meyer got the, you know, he got the bells and whistles kind of treatment. So I think the Jaguars are definitely interested in him. I just feel like if you're Urban Meyer right now, and if you're truly still on the fence about it, like, for instance, if I'm Shad Khan, and I'm spearheading this process of hiring another head coach. If the guy that I'm super interested in more than anybody else still needs time to think about it, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little nervous about that because I want the guy that's going to be like, yeah, you better believe it. I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, I don't know how much you can still figure out in the next couple of days or so. I, I just felt like if you're truly – are talking to, and keep in mind, this is all speculation, but yep. speculation has said that Shad Khan and Urban Meyer have been in contact, you know, in the past, let's just say, right? And I think that there has been a plan from Urban Meyer saying that he wanted to go to the NFL and he wanted to assemble a staff and all this stuff. So this hasn't just transpired, it seems like, in the past month or so. I think this has been on Urban Meyer's radar for a while. So if you've had all this time to think about it, and I assume that you've gone over it with your family but you know, before and you've had those conversations and all that stuff, if you've done all that, why are we still waiting on you then? Like that's that's just what I can't wrap my head around. Like and yeah. if, and, and if, I, if I'm Shad Khan, like I said, I'm a little nervous because man, I told you what we want. Like I'm sure they gave him an offer. That's the offer. What is there to to, to ponder over? Like we're this is the end game now, man. Let's go. Yeah, and, and I think these are, there's always, people are careful of this stuff because let's just say he, he, he's not interested. 
well, then the Jags may want to spin this. Be like, well, we never offered him the job. You know, he didn't turn us down. Like, sometimes the optics of all that, which I, I know appear kind of foolish, are important to people, uh, the way that shapes up. Like, we didn't get turned down by Urban Meyer, you know, especially if he ends up in the NFL like next year or somewhere else. <laughs> so I, I do think those things are important at how it's kind of crafted and perceived. Uh, but I, I and, and I'm trying to come with you and try to get to the point where, okay, if we all believe then the Jags are in on Urban Meyer, and they're waiting and they're patiently waiting. One is when is the deadline? Like when does Shot have to say, "All right, man, listen, I, I I respect your, you know, the process of this, but we've got to move. If no, right, we want you, uh, but we got to move on. We got other teams are filling up. Uh, if Robert Sala's our guy, he's interviewing with Philadelphia Eagles reportedly, and the Jets are really ready to go make an offer to him. It looks like uh, on Sala. So what if he's the next guy for the Jags? And Sala can't sit there and wait for Urban Meyer for the next three, four, five days if he's got other people saying, hey, I'd like you to be there, our guy. Mm-hmm. So th- I think that part is very interesting. What I take from the Urban Meyer side is Saturday, Sunday, it was more like th- – this is how I assume it went. We should like we should role play this thing out like on the Kismet. It would be great. Like, uh, put the mustache back on and everything, you know? Let's go. So, Wait, so uh, then, am I Urban Meyer or are you Urban Meyer? Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but but I, the way I view this happening is Friday they, they meet, right? And they go over things. They probably meet for hours. They have a nice dinner, have a little wine, a little champagne. And, and South Florida, it's, it's January. It's beautiful. It's a $200 million boat or yacht. Pitbull playing on the yacht, a little special conference, a little intimate Pitbull concert. I yeah, like that. absolutely. Maybe a little violin in the distance. No, you know? no, it's going to be Pitbull, but go on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, this is trying, my fantasy. I was trying to get my mom on the kids. This is my fantasy here, not um, yours. It's both of the, us. <laughs> the, uh, so then he says, hey, listen, the NFL playoffs are this weekend. Enjoy some time with the family. Talk it over with the family. Let's see where we're at on Monday. Let's come back. You know, yeah. and, and both of us. Let's see what you. I'll digest what you had to say. You digest what we had to say, and let's let's chat again on Monday, see where we're at, and just stay in touch on it. Uh, we don't we don't have to move super quick, but we probably have a, a few days on this. Well, Monday he's got national championship game responsibilities, and doesn't want to. Maybe everybody said the whole Ohio State thing. I'll, I'll respect that and say, yeah, maybe that played into it. This morning he he uh, he spoke. Urban Meyer did at like a conference, and so my my point being his. His calendar was pretty filled up Monday and Tuesday. And so now you get to the late afternoon on Tuesday, like, all right, let's circle back now, Herbs. <laughs> right? Mm. Where are you at? Mm. Uh, you have any other questions for us? Uh, you have any problems? Can we help you through some of this? Let's. Where are we at? And I think that is where we're at in this. Uh, that's my view of the timetable. That's. I think we I, – I, I am now glued to my phone – for hopefully text messages and a nice heads up, uh, phone calls, uh, which have been making all day, and obviously the national guys and reports coming out to be like, okay, he's he's really in, or he's going to pass this time and not get back in and stay with Fox. Uh, because those are the two answers, I think. And I think that stuff could start coming out as soon as later tonight, and I would suspect Definitely by tomorrow, like tomorrow morning. I, I set my alarm just to, just to give you an idea where my head is. I set my alarm at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Uh, well, I was already up by then, but I, I set it just to check my phone just to make sure stuff wasn't coming out early. Well, it'll be the same thing over the next, uh, I would say, 12 to 15 hours. I, I really think this is about to go down one way or another. Let me ask you this, though. If it doesn't go down and it's Wednesday afternoon and we're doing the show and we still don't have an answer. 
if you're Shad Khan, do you throw some kind of ultimatum out there and just say, hey, like, you're obviously our top candidate. We want you here. But if you can't give us a straight definitive answer by now, we got to move on. Like, do you make that risk? Or right now, are you on Urban Meyer's time? And it could be a week, but whenever he decides, he decides. Like, if you're Shad Khan, what's the better play? Put them all in and say, you got to tell us right now, or slow play it. I think it's unfair to the organization to to wait much longer than the next 24 hours. I, I think, again, I believe dominoes are starting to fall. Uh, and I believe that means you you better get moving, and you better get moving with plan B or even plan C. We'll never know, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't want to get the plan D or E. Not when my job is supposedly the best job, and I can take whoever I want and uh, you know take Urban Meyer out of the equation. Any one of these folks that are interviewing, um, more of the normal interviews, if you will, with other teams, I can say, hey, here's our offer. And they'll take the job most likely, not guaranteed, but most likely, because everybody has a different view of what the best job is. You've pointed that out before, so and what the best fit is. But I believe, uh, I believe, yeah, I think you're right onto something. I, I, I think sooner or later, and Urban's not Urban's smart enough. I mean, Ur, Urban's not going to take. Uh, I, I would think his side won't take uh, offense to that part. Like, hey, we just got to know something here in the next little bit, so we get moving. Um, are you in or are you out? And uh, I, I think we're getting to that point. I really do. Again, I think the next 12, 15 uh, hours are I, – I think we're going to know something by our show tomorrow. I really do. Um, it, it, and, I, by the way, I believe we'll probably know something before then. But I think tomorrow we're talking about either there's a ton of smoke that Urban's the guy and maybe the Jags haven't made an official announcement, or Urban has said, hey, I appreciate the courtship. I really wanted to do it, but I just can't get to. I'm a hundred percent all in. I'm going to stay uh, out of the game um, for the next, uh, for uh, again this time in this cycle. What percentage are you of confidence of Urban Meyer being the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? What percentage of you says he's not going to be? Um, <laughs> I am. I wish you had asked me this question last Thursday, Friday, mm. and yesterday. Mm. Um, I am. Without question, more confident he will be the next head coach of the Jaguars today, at this moment, than um, than at all in this process. Yeah, so but I would say ninety percent. Ninety percent confident that Urban Meyer is going to be the coach of the Jaguars. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ninety um, percent. That's wow. where my mind's at. Dang. Okay. My eggs are in the Urban basket. I guess so. And I'm. Not all in, but I'm 90%. Well, I mean, 90% is pretty much all in. Now, is this you speaking to an existence, or do you, like, I mean, do you truly believe that? Like, I'm saying, like, are you trying to put good vibes, sunshine and rainbows no. out there, or you think, okay, I got you? Well, listen, first of all, I, let me be perfectly honest with you, okay? You just asked my opinion on that, and yeah. I'm just giving you my opinion. Yeah. And that's not to say I haven't done work on it, sure. but that's also not to say uh, I'm not sitting here and reporting that it's going to happen. Yeah. I just want to make that crystal yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah, this is um, your but opinion. I believe... I, I, I told you a little bit of this yesterday. I believe these last few days, the fact that we haven't heard he's not going to do it, lends to the fact that he is going to do it. I think there is way more momentum for him to do it and take the job. And I just firmly believe he's tops on the Jags list. So I marry those things together logically, and I get my 90%. I think he's going to be the guy. And certainly we've tried to vet this out a little bit, too. But I've got nothing, I want to make it perfectly clear, that can say, hey, He's going to be the guy. I know he's going to be the guy. I'm just at a percentage level saying 90%.
he's going to be the guy. I feel that way right now uh, that Urban Meyer's it. And so because of that, let's just have fun with it. Have you thought about Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence together in Jacksonville? Yesterday we mentioned you're talking about two of the biggest winners at the collegiate level potentially getting together here in Jacksonville, which, quite frankly, has been one of the biggest losers in the NFL the last dozen years. What does that look like? What kind of offense does he run? How good is he with quarterbacks if it were to happen? Let's talk about it next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. I had braces. I still have my permanent retainer in. It's been knocked out twice. Brent Martineau. So it's not stuck in there. No, it's not stuck in there. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. If he's this, then yes, the Jets want it so bad. If you want it bad enough, give me what I'm looking for. And if you balk, somebody else will give it to me. And if they don't, then maybe I take him in. You're screwed. You're sticking with Sam Donald even though you don't want to stick with Sam Donald. You're right. Jacksonville got all the leverage in the world at the number one spot if, in fact, Justin Fields is tied to that. And take it one step further. Maybe it's not Justin Fields, and maybe it's not Trevor Lawrence. You still can trade that pick to somebody and maybe you now got an eye on a guy that's in Houston named Deshaun Watson with some of the other picks that you have that you now can get give to Houston to take a look at. Oh, get ready for months of draft talk speculation. I think the Jets are really interesting. What do they do? Justin Fields, <laughs> just okay. I actually thought, Austin, real quick on Fields, I didn't get, I, I just don't like when teams, I understand you have to be aware of what another team does well. Right. If 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 Derrick Henry's running the football, what's your main goal? Stop the run. I get it. But I thought we saw this from Seattle the other day, and I thought we saw it last night from Ohio State. Seattle the other day said, "Man, we respect the heck out of your defense, LA. So we're going to try to run the ball, play defense, keep this a low-scoring game, give us a chance. We don't want to make mistakes." Well, you will eliminate your best player essentially. That's Russell Wilson. Like, let it fly, man. Say my guy's better than your guy. Uh, you know, you don't have to be careless about it, but see if you can get L.A. in a track meet where you dictate the play. Well, I kind of thought that just the opposite yesterday. I thought Ohio State, and, and, and you should have a lot of respect for Alabama's ability to score. They scored 52 points in the first three quarters. It's ridiculous. They had 566 yards in the first three quarters. Listen, you can't stop them. I get it. But who's your best player? Justin Fields. Say, we're going to go up and down the field with you, man, because Alabama's defense isn't that great. Like, you can beat them. Well, instead, what you try to do is slow the game down, run the ball, take a possession, take some time off the clock, all that kind of stuff. And instead, because you do that, you get away from using your best player a little bit. You get away from a little bit who you are. Obviously, Trey Sermon goes out of the game. You don't make a player here or there. And then all of a sudden, you can't stop Alabama. You look up, you're down two scores, and you're in chase mode. Well, then Alabama's defense can feast a little bit more. So I just don't like it when teams say, especially teams that are pretty good at doing their own thing, but when they say, hey, we really respect what you do so much that we're going to kind of change the way we look at this game, and our game plan is going to uh, respect it almost too much. You understand what I'm saying? No, I, I feel like yeah. you play right into their hands that way. You no, know, I, I definitely get what you're saying. And if you truly have you know, probably the consensus number two pick of the draft, then let him air the ball out. 
But at the same time, like we've seen this Ohio State before. We saw it in the Big Ten championship game when they took on Northwestern. Northwestern did a pretty decent job of shutting the pass down, you know, using a lot of press coverage that kind of flustered fields a little bit. And all of a sudden, they went away from the pass game and used Trey Sermon. And all of a sudden, they, they started piling the rock. And I remember I even said, like, it's very peculiar to me when you have arguably the second best player in college football and you're not giving him the opportunity to win the game. You, you put in the running back sands. And I think last night you saw more of the same. Now, Fields, you know, I mean, he, he had some, once again, he had some really nice throws and all of that stuff. But I just think you saw an Ohio State team that was scared to air it out with Alabama. I think you saw an Ohio State team that even when Trey Sermon got hurt, Master Teague is more than a suitable backup. I mean, he was a starter for, uh, you know, a majority of the season, did very well. And by the way, Master Teague, one of the best college football names Absolutely. I can think of. So I get what Ohio State was trying to do. But like it's like we talked about yesterday. Like Alabama just had their number. It seemed like in every single possession on offense and defense. Yeah, I agree, and I, I just that's what I, I, that's a little hindsight on my part too. Maybe it works, and, and I don't question that. But when it doesn't work, I just you gotta you gotta respect your opponent, but you can't be afraid of your opponent. Sure. And, and it's and I just thought at times like third down, fourth down, and one they're not even put in Justin Fields' hands. They made Justin Fields not even a factor in that football game. He threw it like 15 times in the first half or first even into the third quarter, Austin. I mean, Mac Jones had thrown it 30 times in the first half. Yeah. Like, Justin Fields, I want that ball in his hands. He's one of the best players in America. So I was a little surprised by that. I, I didn't like that, and I think it was all out of fear instead of confidence in what uh, you do. Well, speaking of confidence, I have confidence that Urban Meyer is going to be the next coach. Again, uh, Austin asked me percentage-wise. I think I, I'd put it at 90% right now, my gut, that he's going to be the guy. I want to make it crystal clear I'm not reporting that, uh, but Austin asked, and that's where I feel. I've This has gained momentum in my mind to make Urban Meyer the, the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we all believe Trevor Lawrence is going to be the top pick, and I guess yesterday certainly put an exclamation point on that. If there was any wave of momentum from the semifinal game and the championship game to capture for fields, well, that didn't happen. Yeah. Not enough. And so now everybody's all in the camp of Trevor Lawrence. I don't even think that's a question on our show today. That's what we call a 100%er. That is a 100%er. Uh, slam dunker. Yes. Exclamation pointer. Yes, sir. That's all those things. Yes, sir. Lock. Yes. It's a lock. Yeah. From April 29th, I know what's going to happen. So, I don't know if Urban Meyer is going to be the guy, but let's talk about it today. If Urban Meyer is the guy, he's worked with Alex Smith and Chris Leak and Tim Tebow and three different quarterbacks to win a national championship, JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, uh, this and the other one right now, but uh, in 2014. he's Braxton with, Miller. Braxton Miller. Yeah, I got you, you man. Uh, all different kinds of quarterbacks, right? Different styles quarterbacks. What and, and no doubt Trevor Lawrence, from a check-the-box standpoint, would be the best prospect yeah. kind of quarterback that he's worked with. And by the way, you could say that for just about any coach. That's how good well, a prospect Trevor Lawrence is. Well, and also, I mean, you got to give him props to Josh Harris and Bowling Green, too. Just because Josh Harris as a kid stood out to me a big time because he was the first player that I knew that had, like, he didn't have dreadlocks, but he had, like, long braids. And, like, at the quarterback position at the time, like, that was crazy. Like so, Somebody mentioned him today, and I couldn't come up with his name. Was that Did he end up making it in the NFL for a couple years with, like, Pittsburgh or something? Yeah, I think he had a stint. Um, okay. Let's see. He was let's I can look him up real quick. I mean, I know he he had a shot. I don't think he really did anything with that shot. Uh, he was drafted in the sixth round by the Baltimore Ravens back in 2004. Uh, he knocked. He was not knocked on the NFL for three seasons and then finished up in the CFL. Okay. Um, the so what would he do, man? I mean, you got Trevor Lawrence. You got this 
gosh, this gift at the quarterback spot for any coach. But you got Urban Meyer, this innovative mind, this guy that has a resume of winning but also working well with offenses and QBs. I, how do you see that together, if, if we could dream about it before we know it's a reality or if it doesn't become a reality, that marriage of Meyer and Lawrence how good would that be for Trevor Lawrence and for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, we're talking about Urban Meyer, so we have to talk about the ability to adapt, right? Because Urban Meyer definitely has pre-caveats of what type of quarterback he prefers. Whether it was Josh Harris at Bowling Green, whether it was Alex Smith, whether it was Tim Tebow, um, you know, Jones, uh, whoever he had at Ohio State, they all had one thing in common. They were a dual threat quarterback. Now, when he had Chris Leak, he did a, he did a great job of kind of adapting and changing that offense to fit him and give him more confidence. Because let's be honest, Chris Leak not the most mobile of quarterbacks. So when we talk about Trevor Lawrence, obviously we've seen his mobility. Um, he's got plenty of it, and I think that if you're going to implement him in an Urban Meyer offense, the first thing you got to talk about is the zone read option. Um, that's kind of Urban Meyer's calling card. That's kind of what he's what he's known for. I think when we talk about the zone read option, though, we got to keep in mind like you don't have Tim Tebow back there, and that's no knock on Trevor Lawrence because this guy is six six and he's he's built, and um, I'm sure he's durable. But like the last thing I want to do is let Trevor Lawrence run for ten to. 15 times a game with the risk of getting hurt, you know, because I want to rely on Trevor Lawrence's arm a little more than I have to do with his legs. So I think you see a lot of zone read options, but it's going to be a lot more pass driven. Uh, it's going to be a lot more quarterback friendly, let's just say. Okay, hey, I'm going to leave this up uh, to you the next few minutes. I got to run and do a quick interview. I'll tell you who it is, and I'll tell you the backstory because it's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> But I'm going to do that right now, and uh, you take it from here. I want more on Trevor Lawrence's development with Urban Meyer and what kind of offense potentially the Jags could run with Urban Meyer because I don't think they're going to run him like they ran Tebow, you know? I no. just don't think they're going to do that. Uh, so I'd love to see what you think they might do from an evolution standpoint. Uh, take it away. I'll be back with you guys in just a couple moments, and it is kind of a funny story. Um, it may be with a happy ending. We'll find out. Hopefully it works out for you. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> All right, so listen, when we're talking about Urban Meyer, um, it's like I said, he's known for the zone read option. And that's kind of where, let's be honest, a lot of teams right now in the NFL are going that way. We're starting to see the college game and the pro game mirror each other more than ever before. And with Trevor Lawrence, you definitely have that. Another thing, too, that I remember from Urban Meyer, especially at Ohio State, and you saw this in Florida as well, they implemented basically just – the go route. Now, everyone knows, should know, if you follow football, you should know what a go route is. Basically, it's just vertical, right? It says, hey, you're the fastest receiver we have. Run straight down the field, and we're going to throw a bomb. This is usually set up by play actions, that zone read option, things like that. It's kind of a nice thing to go off of, that zone read option. I think if you have DJ Chark right now, um, you know, I think that if you were to get a free agent, maybe like <clears throat> an Allen Robinson or a Chris Godwin, that could open things up a little more. Because, listen, like, I, I love LaVisca Chenault, but is he the true go-to receiver? Like, is he the vertical threat? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd have to see a lot more out of him. I think he's more of, of your short threat. Get him the ball in space. Watch him work. He's hard to tackle. I like him there. I think DJ Chark could be the deep threat. I think Keelan Cole, if they bring him back, could be the deep threat. But that's another thing, too, with Urban Meyer is that you have to have the guys that can run the deep threat. 
uh, the wide receivers. And while they have some, I want to see him get more. So, like, listen, if you got a Devontae Smith or, um, you know, even like a Kyle Pitts in the middle, it could be a, a giant mismatch in terms of, well, do you put a safety on him? Do you put a linebacker on him because this guy is super fast as well? Well, that, that's another vertical route, a la kind of like a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. So there's a lot of things you can do in terms of the vertical routes. I think Urban Meyer is definitely going to stick to that as well. But like I said, to me, the most important thing that he may have to change up a little bit is understand the fact that you cannot run Trevor Lawrence 10 to 15 times a game, at least not right away. Let's give him some confidence. Let's give him some weapons, whether it's a Kyle Pitts, whether it's a, it's a big name free agent receiver. Like you got to give him these weapons to have confidence. And the other part of it, too, obviously, we're talking zone read options is the receiving back. Do you have a running back that could be a threat in the receiving game? I think last year, towards the end of the season, you had a running back in James Robinson that showed that he can handle those, you know, wheel routes. He can handle the the out routes, if you will. Now, can he do that on a consistent basis? Am I ready to call him a a true three down back yet? Not quite. Like I, I wouldn't mind a change of pace back still, and you can get those guys in the draft. You can get those guys in free agency. We thought that Chris Thompson was going to be that guy this year, but unfortunately with you know really injuries and obviously the emergence of James Robinson, we didn't see Chris Thompson a lot. But I don't want people to, to forget about the true third down back. Not to take away anything from James Robinson because he had a fantastic rookie campaign, and I think he only gets better from here. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars got something special in James Robinson. But, man, if, if you can give him a little rest and, you know, keep him from running 20 to 30 times a game and have him get receptions as well, then why not do that? So I think a third down back is going to be pivotal as well. But when we break down, you know, the former Urban Meyer players, when we break down guys like, and listen, I, I understand the whole Josh Harris thing. Urban Meyer is there like a year or so. You can't really call Josh Harris a really uh, a big Urban Meyer guy. But when I see Chris Leak and, you know, I see the stats, um, pulling them up right now. So two good seasons under Urban Meyer, 43 touchdown passes, 63% completions, uh, and obviously a national championship. Like that to me is what, makes me excited about Urban Meyer more than anything. Because when Urban Meyer got there, Chris Leak did not fit the mold, right? And what do coaches usually do in that situation? You see Chris Leak, all right, I don't like this guy. He doesn't run my offense. Let's go in the transfer portal. And keep in mind, back in 2005, I think it was, they didn't have a transfer portal. But let's go in another direction, right? Because this guy doesn't run what I run. But Urban Meyer didn't do that. Urban Meyer said, you know what? This guy is a leader in the locker room. He's a field general. Let's make this work. I'll put this guy in position to succeed. And that's what I love about Urban Meyer. Okay? Now, yes, I've been pretty critical. Can he handle the next level? You know, obviously there's still the health concerns, all that stuff. Um, you know, there's the there's the bad optics from some of his past. Like, listen, there's there's reasons why you shouldn't like Urban Meyer. But I'm just saying from a former player's perspective, maybe the big reason why you should like Urban Meyer is the ability to adapt. And Chris Leak is the prime example of him being able to adapt. So like, like I said, they won a national championship. Leak was, you know, he, he was a big part of that, had a good season for Urban Meyer. Let's fast forward now. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was really kind of the game changer, I feel like, uh, in, in, in the quarterback option. Right, because we saw this dude who was built like a fullback, who had a decent arm in college, 
who could make the throws when he had to, but obviously was relied on his legs just as much as his arm. And that offense, and, it, and you mix that with obviously, you know, you had Riley Cooper, you had Aaron Hernandez, um, you had Percy Harvin. Like to me, that was like the Kansas City Chiefs of now where you couldn't shut everybody down. Now, listen, I'm not going to compare Tim Tebow to Patrick Mahomes, but my point is that every defense that planned against that Florida Gators team, well, who was the game wreckers? You had to stop Tim Tebow. Well, then you had to stop Riley Cooper with that vertical threat like I've talked about before. Oh, we got to stop Aaron Hernandez, right? Like, you got to stop all these guys, and you just couldn't do it. So, once again, uh, uh, to me, another positive, and what I see from this Jaguars offense right now You have the wide receivers. You have the running game. The offensive line, I'm intrigued by. You know, if you have to add another piece here, do you re-sign Cam Robinson? We'll see all that stuff. But overall, I'm not shaking off this offensive unit. I'm actually very intrigued by this offensive unit. And if you add Trevor Lawrence, you, you add a big arm, obviously, the arm talent, and his ability to move in the pocket and get you yards with his legs when he has to, Now you add maybe two more pieces. Maybe you add a legit tight end. And let's be honest, in free agency, you don't see a lot of those guys, right? You got John New Smith, okay. You got Jared Cook, okay, but he's up there in age on the back nine of his career. Um, That's about it. Hunter Henry, unless he gets franchise tagged for like the hundredth time with Los Angeles Chargers. But that's about it. And you know how I feel about Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts being a former Florida guy, maybe Urban Meyer likes that a lot. And maybe they got to do something, a little, you know, a, a little move and shake here to get Kyle Pitts with that second first round pick. But like Kyle Pitts is a guy that could obviously help this offense a lot. And that's what you're missing right now. I think you're missing one more playmaker in terms of speed, in terms of um, just lining him up wherever you want. And you're missing that true tight end. You're, you're missing that big threat who's going to be the mismatch. Because history has shown us, and I understand, taking a tight end in the first round, uber, uber risky. All right? Um, I can't state that enough. But if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, when you're the Baltimore Ravens a couple years ago, when, when you're the San Francisco 49ers of last year, like what do they all have in common? They have a tight end that can get the job done. And wh- whether Kyle Pitts is going to be that guy or not, I'm not sure. But if I'm Urban Meyer, I'm doing everything in my power to take, take a risk on him. So there you go with, obviously, Tim Tebow. And then Braxton Miller and Cardell Jones. Like, listen, once again, it just shows you the power of the offense, right? Braxton Miller, um, you know, in his two two years or whatever, 2,339 yards, 25 touchdowns. He gets hurt. And then Cardell Jones comes in like a third-string quarterback and absolutely lights the Big Ten on fire. And it's not to take away from Cardell Jones or Braxton Miller because they're, and Tim Tebow and Chris Leak, they were fantastic college quarterbacks, a lot of great talent. But what happened when they got to the league, right? Nobody really had like that promising pro career. Nobody really lasted that long in terms of, you know, that potential all-pro type of quarterback. What I'm curious to see and why I think Urban Meyer is definitely intrigued about the Jacksonville Jaguars job is what happens when you have a maybe once-in-a-generational draft pick in Trevor Lawrence that you can add to your offense. What happens when you have the, the NFL arm talent, the NFL decision-making, the NFL athleticism, the NFL size? What is that going to do for your offense? That's the biggest question for Urban Meyer, and that's why I feel like Urban Meyer, if he wants to coach in the NFL, I think he'd be foolish not to coach Trevor Lawrence. But time will tell. 
More on ESPN 690 when we get back. There's a lot of good teams that came across here. Um, for us, us three, I, I guess you, it, it's hard for this offensive team <clears throat> to just say it. Us three. I mean, there were some people who played a role in this season. Like, like what y'all saying, the O line, what they've done for us. Like, it's hard to just say three people brought us here. Like, it, it's, there's no way to do it, especially in this in this sport when it's 11 on 11. It's the ultimate team sport. Najah Harris, my honor now. Oh. Alabama running back Najee Harris. Were you expecting a little bit of a deeper voice, Coos? <laughs> speaking of speaking of deeper voices, Coos. Well, yeah, why why'd you ask me? Expecting. <laughs> no, listen, man. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on Najee Harris at all, man. That guy's got a a bright bright future in front of him. I just feel like the way that you run and the way that you hit stick people, let's just say, or truck stick people, and you run with bad intentions, I was thinking a little more of like a Debo kind of voice. May he rest in peace, by the way. A, 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 a little more of a Debo voice than what he had. But hey, to each their own, man. He had a hell of a game. I mean, the, the entire Alabama offense last night was a cheat code. Um, Listen, they should have, and listen, with, with all due respect to NCAA football, and I get all the COVID-19 stuff, they should have just had the award ceremony number one at the Alabama postseason dinner, and they should have had the NES championship game just be at the spring practice because, like, that's how unfair it seemed like last night against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, when they're that good, Austin, I mean, it's just uh, – I, I can't imagine they'll be that dynamic every year, but it, it's like they have the best coach, they have spend the most resources, they have the best players, and they have the best recruits coming in. It's It's just like this machine that – Everybody always asks, like, Saban, why would you, why, when are you going to get out? When are you going to get out? I firmly believe he loves doing it still and all that stuff. And I, I actually, as the years go by, you listen to Saban talk more and, and you're, you just have so much respect for what he does and mm-hmm. what he's all about. But why would you leave? It's like the most well oiled machine going. I'm not saying he just sits back, he'll still work his butt off. But it's a lot less work than it was 10 years ago. No, without <laughs> When a you're doubt. trying to build it up. Now, staying on top is tough. I get it. When it, they make it look easy. I, I have said this. I just think the gap between – I put Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson kind of in the same conversation, but I don't even know if that's fair to Alabama to put those two in the same conversation the way they look this year. Uh, so, But nobody else is catching up. I don't see anybody else catching up on a consistent basis. And this is the most important part you just said. Nobody else is catching up. So with that being said, when the SEC fans last night once again come out of the woodwork – and start chanting SEC, SEC. Uh, yeah. No. There's Alabama, and then there's Alabama's children. Well, okay? Like, that's the way it is right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? listen. Hey, it, it's stop with the they played an SEC schedule, like an all-SEC schedule. The SEC had, like, four good teams in it. That's it. I, I hate that part of the argument. We can argue whether Alabama was the best of all time. They were unbelievable. Yeah. But just because they played an SEC schedule, there were cupcakes that would have beat some teams in the SEC this year. Hey, Ole Miss, I like you, but relax right now, okay? There's Alabama, and there's everybody else. We'll be back at ESPN 690.